Hello there. This is Benny. This is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch an episode of Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. That's right. We're back, baby. Well, uh, as far as you listeners know, we never stopped. But for us, we did a bit of a hiatus uh, where we let the um, backlog catch up a little bit. And now we are back and recording once again, feeling a little rusty, but happy to be talking about Doctor Who again. Indeed. I think it's been a, a couple of months since the last time we recorded, like maybe two or count. three months or I something. Did, I yeah, didn't actually check the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I did. During our time off, I watched a lot of Doctor Who myself. I, Excellent. You know, got... Towards the end of season three in my fun watch, I haven't quite finished the season yet, but I'm getting close to it. Oh, uh, I I also watched a couple of movies. You may or may not know, listener, that there were two Doctor Who movies produced in the 1960s starring Peter Cushing. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. A thing. I think it was 1964 and 5, or maybe 65 and 6. I don't remember for sure. Yeah, but I don't know. they're not really canonical. Um, yeah. So I don't know that we'll ever cover them on this pod. Um, yeah, it's kind of a I'd... shame because, yeah, I, I have seen them and they're basically just remakes of, of some of the serials like they're basically remakes of the first two dollar yeah the first two dollar serials i thought they're kind of yeah they're 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 kind of fun they're entertaining enough to watch um i thought the first one in some ways was actually better than the actual first dalek serial Hmm. because i thought the dalek serial itself kind of dragged on in places Hmm. you know it was what seven episodes i think whereas this movie is like you know, a tight 90 or 100 minutes or whatever. Yeah, we know Terry Nation tends to go an episode or two too long in his serials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first one, I felt the story story worked better in a movie-length format than in a seven-episode-length format, just, you know, for pacing purposes, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also had some fun visuals. There was, you know, some great great matte paintings and backdrops it's all in color which is exciting wow yeah the second one i thought was it was a lot of fun to look at you know the visuals of the second one and the first one were good i enjoyed them a lot um <laughs> good, good good in a cheesy way i mean yeah they're, that, they're that's definitely fair. i think they probably had a bigger budget than the tv series but Compared to uh, other things, not so much. Mm-hmm. But with the first one, where I felt like you know that story was better told in a movie format, the second one actually felt like the movie was pretty rushed, and there were parts from the serial that were you know that were not in the movie, mm-hmm. which I guess is also true of the first, just purely from length. But like, I can't actually remember something from the first Dalek serial that was not in the movie. Yeah, they stuck pretty close to it. Yeah. The second one, there are like 
chunks missing any of the stories okay without them but like i liked those parts and they're not there now so yeah what the second one really made me want was basically you know the entire serial filmed in color and with the budget of the movie and you know on the movie sets and stuff yeah, I think it's going to be a little while before the TV series gets a, a budget <laughs> and, and is in color. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll get there eventually, but it'll be a little while. Yeah. I did watch another movie a few days ago that is oh, yeah? tangentially related to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I went and saw Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Nice. Which I believe you have not seen yet. Is that right? Not yet. In fact, I hope to someday watch it uh, probably on streaming with you and your partner and maybe some of our other friends. I think that nice. would be a fun way to watch it. Yeah, I think that would definitely be a fun way to watch it. So I, I will keep my thoughts brief and also spoiler free, but I will say that it was fantastic. I loved it a lot. Excellent. Um, I thought it really felt like a D&D game, which was great. You know, there were parts that you could say like, oh, that's the player doing some rules lawyering. And there are other parts that you're like, oh, the DM didn't expect that role to succeed, but now he's got to improvise some bullshit because it did. Nice. And, you know, parts that were like, oh, shit, that guy just rolled a, a one. But, you know, yeah, it's all we, like yeah. in fully in universe in the context of the story somebody who has never even heard of D&D should probably still enjoy it if they're into funny adventure fantasy movies nice but yeah then if you have played a lot of D&D then it's just even better yeah yeah I like how you said it's tangentially related because yeah we're basically a Dungeons and Dragons podcast <laughs> um, uh -huh. we should make enough D&D references the one biggest complaint that I might have, which is something that I had seen online before I watched the movie, is basically just that it's too straight. There's like not really. Yeah, it's too hetero. Yeah, it's too hetero. There's no character who's like specifically or clearly queer of any sort. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of something that is very big in D&D &D culture these days is yeah it seems like that's basically become the i don't know if it's the primary audience but it, it, it certainly has thrived in that space yeah so yeah i was a bit surprised that that was lacking from the movie yeah but that was that's disappointing yeah that was my only my only real complaint if uh, audience if you heard a thump then that was Beans jumping down from the windowsill where he had been sitting and looking out the window. Uh, we still haven't managed to capture his voice on mic, but I think that's the first sound that you've heard from Beans <laughs> so far. Matilda, Beans is our cat, I should mention. Matilda is also in my recording studio with me. I believe yes. she is planning on sleeping through this recording session. That's a good plan. Well, I also, during our break of recording, I watched some mm -hmm. Doctor Who episodes. Excellent. I was hoping you might. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about them? Let's get to it.
Now that you've watched Doctor Who, why don't you tell me all about it? So this episode is The Nightmare Begins. Season 3, episode 10. Is in fact season 3, episode 10. It's the first episode of a new serial. Mm -hmm. I am going to withhold the name of this serial for the moment. Hmm. And this serial actually had two writers. It was basically breaks down into like one person wrote the first half and a different person wrote the second half with a little bit of crossover in the middle. Hmm. But for now, this is written by Terry Nation. <laughs> Excellent. I was I was honestly wondering if the uh, the reveal was going to be that the second half was written by Terry Nation and the reason that you're withholding the name is because it has Daleks in it. <laughs> um, but I think at least part of that reveal just happened. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Not, to, not to stereotype Mr. Nation too much. I mean, he has written <laughs> us other things too. And yet... <laughs> Excellent, excellent. The director for this one, I believe he directed the entire serial, was Douglas Camfield. So Doug did a lot of work for Doctor Who. He was, so far, what we've seen from him is that he was the production assistant in the one with the cave people and Marco Polo. Okay. And he He's also... Been since the beginning then. Yeah. He has done some previous direction as well. He directed The Crusade and The Time Meddler. Okay. As well as like bits of the one with the cave people and bits of The Chase, apparently, and like an episode of Planet of Giants. Oh, so it seems like he mostly works on the uh, historical ones. We'll see. If, yeah, for the most we'll part. See yeah. if that trend holds, holds true. So, Kyle. For this episode, I have a question for you. How did you watch it? This episode I watched via a loose cannon reconstruction. Nice. Yeah. Another, another missing episode. Another missing episode. Most of this serial is missing. I think <laughs> without revealing the number of episodes, I believe 75% of this serial is missing. I think, so, I think at one point you referred to this period as the 40 days in the desert period of Doctor Who when it comes yeah. to missing episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in, in some future episodes, I'll probably give you a little bit more information about the loose cannon reconstruction. But since we'll have plenty of time for that later, I'll just leave it at, at that for now. This one was a, another reconstruction. Okay, I'll keep my burning curiosity in check. Would you remind us, if you remember, of our cliff dangler? Um, I don't remember if there was a cliff dangler per se. I know that we ended the last serial, um, which was the uh, Myth Makers. Right. Um, we, we left Vicky behind, which I think on behalf of the writers, or on the part of the writers, that seems like a myth take. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah... Uh, Maureen O'Brien had apparently complained about the scripts and right. some, you know, fragile egoed producer or whoever decided right. that she our, had to go. Yeah, our new producer, John Wiles. Hmm. So shake, we shake our shake fists, our fists in the sky and say, John? John! 
You know, uh, that rhymes. That rhymes <laughs> with another word that you can yell angrily. John! John! Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a weird reference. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I catch that one. Oh, that, that's how Crook yells Khan in Wrath of Khan. He, he oh, never actually okay, yells okay. Khan. Everyone thinks he does, but he right, just but yells Khan. Right, but it's too short Khan's. Khan. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> listeners, if you're listening to this part, I, it means I left it in. <laughs> uh, so then, um, yeah, we, so we, we left Vicky behind. She became Cressida and, you know, went off to found Rome with Troilus and Aeneas. Um, and, uh, we picked up a new companion in the form of one of Cassandra's like handmaidens, I think. Right. Whose name was Katrina, I think. I think we called her Katrina, but I think it's actually Katarina. Oh, interesting. Katarina. Okay. Yeah. Katarina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Da Vinci calls Captain Janeway. Yes. Insert insert sound clip here. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, she joined the party basically because Stephen got injured. Yeah. And Katarina helped him back to the TARDIS. And we kind of just pick up from there. You know, they. Okay. I, I wonder if it would be a sustainable bit if we always referred to her as Katarina. <laughs> well, even as I ask that out loud, I, I'm questioning the wisdom of that plan. <laughs> uh-huh. So the three of them have left in the TARDIS. It seems that Stephen's injury apparently got infected. That's why like, he's having such a rough time. Yikes. And he's got basically blood poison spreading through his system. So you think the doctor would have something for that? You like, think yeah, the, just the on board. With all its, you know, in, in addition to its enormous uh, wardrobe, it, it seems like it would also have like a medicine cabinet, right? <laughs> but okay, okay, I think he got like full on stabbed with a sword, so it's not like this is a you know a splinter that got some dirt in it or something. So yeah, I, I I get it if the doctor doesn't have a a emergency room in the TARDIS, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So we established that the doctor is trying to find some kind of drug to cure him. Oh, good. And then we cut away to a planet where there are two guys in uniforms in, you know, sort of like spaceship pilot military style uniforms. Nice. One of these guys has his leg in a splint, and they are trying to call someone on the radio. Five zero Alpha to Charlo Charlo Egan. Five zero Alpha to Charlo Charlo Egan. Come in. Charlo Charlo Egan. This is five zero Alpha. Can you read me? Come in.
I like that kind of. I don't know it. It has this this feel to it, like little kids when they're pretending to be making radio calls. Yeah, so there's there's something kind of nostalgic about it to me. Yeah, totally. It seems that Charlotte Charlo Egan is not responding though, which is a problem. We've got to get through to Earth first, or the whole solar system is finished. Uh oh, that sounds not good. Uh huh. We cut from this over to Central Communications Earth, or CCE, or Charlo Charlo Egan. Ah, now that makes sense. Where there's a light on the board flashing, but no one's paying attention to it. Mm. The two people who are, you know, supposed to be monitoring this board are instead discussing what they should watch on TV. (laughs) One of them wants to watch the Mars-Venus game, and the other wants to watch a speech that's about to be delivered by this beloved politician, Mavic Chen. Okay. They decide that they're just going to put the news on, because then they can probably see some of both. And, you know, one of them mentions that they don't need to worry about routine calls from the patrols because the next scheduled call is five zero alpha. And that's not for like 20 more minutes. So basically they can continue ignoring things for 20 more minutes. It's only the routine calls that you have to worry about. Right. Five zero alpha apparently was the patrol which was sent to look for Mark Corey. Does that... Yes, that name does sound familiar. Mark Corey apparently disappeared on the planet Kembel, which along might with, also sound familiar. Along with Landry and... I think the, the third uh, person's uh, name also ended with an R-O-Y. Lowry, or I think, was one of them. Maybe it was Lowry, not Landry. Anyway, yeah, these are the the folks from the University of Central Lancashire. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Or at least the the, um, recreation that was created by the University of Central Lancashire of that one shot that we had earlier. Yeah, when the players all rolled up new characters for an episode. And then they had a TPK. Uh Uh-huh. And didn't prevent the Dalek attack. Nope. So Mavic Chen shows up on TV to give his speech he's apparently about to leave on holiday and you know the reporter wants to know like where he's going and stuff but he says that his holiday plans are to just climb aboard my spa and drift about the solar system it sounds like a fun fun holiday I would, yeah. I would do that if i could yeah it's like the future version of sailing the mediterranean or something <laughs> yes so our two viewers back in Charlo Charlo Egan, you know, start to discuss what ships they'd like to use to drift about the solar system. While Mavic Chen, Mavic Chen informs us in his speech that, you know, here in the year 4000, everyone (laughs) should feel really proud of the non-aggression pact they signed in 3975. And, you know, we can truly hope that these past 25 years of peace will only be the dawn of an everlasting peace which will spread throughout the universe. 
Sounds good. Can't think of any reason that won't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what my thought was. Sounds pretty good. Definitely isn't an alliance of very hostile aliens bent on conquering the solar system. <laughs> uh huh. And just before this scene ends and we cut away, the loose cannon reconstructionists helpfully show us that the flashing light that no one ever noticed has stopped flashing. So for the uh, reconstruction, did they actually have a, a flashing light or was it like just a still frame of a light that said, this light is flashing? <laughs> no, they actually had a flashing light. Whoa. I, yeah, I think they probably <laughs> had like a still of the control panel and then like, you know, did effects on it. Yeah, that, that seems doable. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Kemble, our two uniformed guys from earlier are discussing what to do. One guy, whose name we learn is Brett, thinks they should keep moving. But the other guy points out the fact that his leg is all fucked up and he would probably trip and fall into a Varga plant. Uh-oh. He thinks that probably this is what happened to Mark Corey because they haven't seen any sign of him anywhere. And Brett's just like, dude, it's cool, we'll move slowly. And the other dude's like, no man, I've got no chance, but if you go on without me, you might have a chance. I, I will say it's a good thing that they know about the Varga plants, because, um, yeah, you don't want to find <laughs> out about those the hard way. The hard way, yeah, for sure. Brett, of course, doesn't want to leave the other dude until the other dude pulls his gun out and he's basically like, either go or I'll kill you now. Yikes. And yeah, Brett can see that the other guy's serious. He also realizes that like the other guy's name was never introduced to us home viewers. So he leaves. Dang. Well, I get, we didn't even get a chance to start things off with the brother guy ship uh -huh. the other get ship <laughs> <laughs> the cameraman stays with hurt leg guy though and hurt leg guy kind of limps around the clearing for a minute he's pointing his gun around he's getting more and more nervous until finally a dalek shows up and phil negativizes him to death well, he had good reason to be nervous. <laughs> uh -huh. The dog's like, sorry to keep you waiting. I had to get through that jungle. <laughs> yeah, that's not easy when you're a Dalek. <laughs> uh -huh. Hey folks, isn't this a good podcast? If you like what you hear, let us know. You can do that on social media or by email or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Another thing you can do if you like this show is let your friends know. Word of mouth is the best way for us to get new listeners. And now, back to the show. Brett is rushing through the jungle himself until he trips into a Varga plant. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, that TPK took it even less time. <laughs> uh, I was actually kidding. He, he does trip, but not into a Varga plant. 
he oh, actually okay. just drops his radio transmitter, which breaks. Oh, shit. Yeah, so he starts face palming in despair, and it's about that time that he hears TARDIS materialization noises, and he hides in the jungle while the TARDIS appears. I guess uh, our heroes are actually going to be in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The TARDIS doors open, and Katerina and the Doctor both come out, The doctor explains to her that he's going to go look for help for Stephen, but he wants her to stay behind and take care of Stephen while he's gone. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sorry, I think think we're on the same wavelength. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Steverina? Yeah. I think last time we called it Statrina, maybe. But that wouldn't wouldn't work now that we know her name is Katarina and not Katrina. So, um... Yeah, Steve Arena. I like that. Apparently the doctor already showed Katarina how to open and close the TARDIS doors from inside the TARDIS. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's just a member of the party now. Uh-huh. He's like, well, the moment I saw your, your character portrait appear in our um, you know party lineup, and I, I knew you weren't an NPC, so <laughs> might as well give me the tour. Uh-huh. He's got his TARDIS key, so, you know, he can access it from the outside. So he basically sends her back in, tells her, you know, don't open the door until I get back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he heads off. As soon as the doctor is gone, Brett comes out of hiding and he tries the TARDIS door, but of course it's locked. So he basically just turns and discreetly follows the doctor. Dang. Okay. The doctor has gone a little ways in, you know, through the jungle, and he pauses to look at some lights that he sees in the distance and, you know, speculate about whether it's a city and what planet he might be on and all that sort of stuff. And as he's, you know, standing there thinking about this, Brett shows up and pulls a gun on him and demands the TARDIS key. Yeah, dude, I mean, you don't have to be so aggro about it. <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could start with, like, hi, my name's Brett, and uh, boy, have I got a story to tell you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We cut back to the TARDIS. Steven is awake now, but he's still kind of delirious. He's still pretty confused. And Katarina is telling him that they are journeying to the underworld, and he needs to rest. Yeah, she still thinks that. Uh-huh. And just about this time, the TARDIS doors open and Brett walks in. Dang, the doctor just straight up gave him the key. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess he had a gun on him, so uh, his choices were limited, but yeah. Katarina's like, Did the doctor send you to cure the sickness? And oh, Brett's like, oh dear. Uh, yeah, that's what happened, totally, for sure. <laughs> oh, jeez. So she closes the TARDIS doors. Brett starts looking around the control room. What sort of craft is this? I've seen most, but nothing like this. And outside, it looks so small. How do you work this thing? Of course, Katerina has no idea. She can't answer his questions. 
from the outside, it looks so small, but it's bigger on the inside. He says, <laughs> and the audience cheers because he said the catchphrase. Uh huh. So, sorry, Beans is like banging around out there. He's trying to open a cabinet door. Beansy, leave it. <laughs> Brett says that they have to get back to Earth, but Katarina's like, eh, I don't know that we can do that. We just left there. And Brett's basically like, well, if you left it, you can return to it. <laughs> Surely somebody knows how to fly <laughs> this thing back. Uh-huh. Outside the TARDIS, the doctor monologues to himself for a few minutes about how Brett is a foolish young man who resorts to violence. But also, he's apparently a foolish young man who left the TARDIS key in the door. Oh, Interesting. So the doctor's about to enter the TARDIS, but before he can go in, he hears... Okay, hold on. Beans actually got the cabinet open, so I'm going to go stop <laughs> whatever mischief is taking place. I, I apologize, cool. Kyle. This is his latest trick. He only just learned this a couple of days ago, so we're, we're going to buy child child locks for the like drawer and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. Beansy, why? Oh, sorry, Kyle. Please go ahead. <laughs> so the doctor's about to enter the TARDIS, but before he goes in, he hears a spaceship fly overhead and starts to wonder what that's all about. We cut to inside the TARDIS where Stephen hits Brett with a spanner and they both fall to the ground. Person of action. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess he's even like... You know, he's still in a weakened state. I think that's why he fell to the ground. But, you know, even in that state, he's still a person of action. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I assume it's one of these things where you make, like, the heroic effort to fight back and then it's too much and you collapse afterwards, but at least you got your you got your opponent as well. Right. We then cut to elsewhere on the planet where a Dalek reports to the Black Dalek Uh that Space Vessel 111 is about to land. Uh, Is it it more nefarious aliens arriving for their evil plans? It it seems to be. That's all we get now is Spaceship 1-11. But we cut back to the TARDIS where Brett has regained consciousness and finds himself in a chair unable to move. Oh, it's a little invention of mine. I call it the magnetic chair. It has a force field strong enough to restrain a herd of elephants. So I wouldn't waste your energy trying to escape. Hmm? You'll stay there until I direct otherwise. (laughs) We were going to just tie you to a chair, but (laughs) we figured this was much, much more sci-fi. Uh-huh. Stephen's asleep. He's, you know, regaining his energy. So the doctor, you know, of course he did enter the TARDIS, put bread in the chair. He tells Katerina that their guest will be unable to move until the doctor presses the little switch on the back of the chair. So, you know, she's totally fine and safe. She should continue to take care of Stephen while he, the doctor, heads out to the city that he saw earlier. Yeah, I feel like once one person has already, like, taken you 
by surprise and forced you at gunpoint to give them the key and then come back to threaten your other party members. I, I, I'm not sure if this is the best time for a, a nice <laughs> little stroll down to a city. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess his, I, his thought is that the city is the most likely place to find some kind of medicine for Steven. But yeah, maybe don't like leave your other party members with the guy who threatened them. Yeah. So the doctor makes his way through the jungle. According to the unofficial loose cannon reconstruction action subtitles, he barely misses getting Varga planted. Yikes. And then he stumbles upon a human skeleton wearing decayed scraps of uniform-like clothing and nearby the skeleton he finds sort of a cassette tape looking thing that uh-huh. looks a lot like the one that Mark Corey recorded but was unable to launch into orbit in Mission to the Unknown. And then we get a zoom in on the skeleton's uniform and we see <laughs> that the name tag on there says Corey. You know you would expect them to do that but this time they're actually like trusting the audience to piece it together. Wow. Okay. Cool. The doctor makes it to the city in time to observe the landing of the ship that he heard overhead earlier. And Mm -hmm. he also observes the welcoming party that will greet this ship. Dun dun dun. Back on the TARDIS, Brett in his magnetic chair asks Katarina what's wrong with Stephen and she tells him that the doctor said that his blood is poisoned. And Brett's basically like, oh, cool, I've actually got some tablets for that in the pouch on my belt. Come get a couple and give them to him. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Katarina, don't fall for it. it. It takes a minute, but she does get talked into it. As soon as the doctor is like, I'm just going to tell you how to get out of this chair <laughs> and now bye, I was like, oh dear. Uh-huh. That was a very specific detail to uh, to introduce and, and especially within hearing of this character. Yeah. But yeah, Katarina is apparently very trusting. She get, gets talked into it. He basically tells her that the doctor's not going to be able to find any help on this planet, so she might as well try the tablets. She's not even, like, quite sure what he's talking about. You know, she gets him out of his pouch, and then she's like, Are these tablets? What do they look like? Take two and put them in his mouth. They dissolve quickly and take effect almost immediately. Huh. Well, so far that sounds like these might actually be antibiotic tablets yeah antiseptic I, i'm not sure what those would count i'm not a nurse i'm not a doctor <laughs> uh-huh she does this she takes the tablets and puts them in steven's mouth and she's basically like you know this better fucking work or the doctor's gonna be angry that i disobeyed him and brett just kind of wonders if the doctor is gonna be back soon and he, you know, casually glances up at the TARDIS's scanner screen where he sees a Dalek. Oh, awesome. 
Always, yeah. always happy to see those guys. Yeah, especially when they're like within scanner screen range of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the city where the doctor is still spying on this Dalek welcoming party in, you know, the lobby area of the city. And these Daleks are waiting to greet their guest from Space Vessel 1-11. I'm very, I'm very eager to see what sort of alien is going to step out of that spaceship. Uh-huh. Well, we, we shortly see the guest does step out of the spaceship and into view, and it's a human, actually. It's Mavic Chen. Oh, interesting. And also... Raider! How dare! We welcome you as we welcome all allies of the Daleks! I am honored to be here and to be part of your plan to conquer Earth and all the planets in the solar system. Oh boy. Also, since, since, since his last name is Chen, is he like, um, d- does he look Asian or? Um, he. Because given that this is the 60s. Yeah. He looks like probably an English actor who is meant to look Asian. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much the worst possible answer to that question. <laughs> So, yeah, just getting that out of the way, like, that is what is happening here. So the doctor, you know, watches all this and turns to rush back through the jungle toward the TARDIS. But then as he approaches the TARDIS, he sees that the TARDIS's door is ajar. So he basically stops in his tracks and keeps watching as a moment later three Daleks roll out from behind the TARDIS and the words next episode Day of Armageddon appear on screen. Nice title. Yeah, that's one thing Terry Nation was always good at. Yeah, yeah. This one was The Nightmare Begins and then Day of Armageddon, which seems like, you know, that nightmare is progressing pretty quick. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> just, just going straight from the beginning to Armageddon. I guess I will also go ahead and do our serial title reveal, which is The Daleks Master Plan. Uh, I guess this is the only time the Daleks get to have a master plan. <laughs> uh-huh. They're just kind of winging it from here on out after the yeah. serial. Any any future plans they might come up with are are you know always going to be just kind of secondary backup plans. Yeah, or or you know continuations of this plan, which to be fair, it seems pretty accurate since this Dalek master plan is conquering Earth and the solar system, and I think they try to do that other times as well. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And it's also not the first time that they've conquered Earth. So uh, (laughs) it's just pretty much that one plan, actually. Uh huh. Uh, A master plan can have a lot of sub plans. Yeah. Well, cool. I like it. I mean, you know, it's it's good stuff. We got we're back on the the planet with the Varga plans. So we got the Daleks. Right. What is it? Um, the most dangerous planet in the universe, or something? 
it seems to be and uh yeah i uh I, I think it's interesting that Stephen is now kind of the the one who's um, in need of protection, considering that, you know, a lot of times that the people who are injured would be like, you know, oh, Susan twisted her ankle or something and she can't come right. along or whatever. But, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not getting my hopes up too much that this episode is going to be a, a, a bastion and equal rights or whatever um, especially <laughs> given that it seems like Katarina is already being taken in by Brett yeah I mean as you know literally a Trojan from whatever century BC like she's pretty mm-hmm. out of her depth here you know she still believes that she's dead and the doctor's TARDIS is a temple escorting her to the afterlife yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, a fun, a cool concept. I wonder if that'll make her kind of fearless at times. Like, well, I'm already dead and uh, have at thee or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, that'd be but, interesting. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So have we seen any of those other aliens that were part of the, the Grand Alliance that the Daleks created in that uh, one shot? Um, or has it just been Daleks so far? No, this episode we've just seen Daleks. Okay, well, we, we, we do like the Daleks. We're here for the Daleks. So, And the, those other designs were also pretty good. I was going to ask how close they were to the reconstruction, um, mm-hmm. but I guess we'll find out maybe uh, in one of the later episodes this season. <laughs> well, cool. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested and I'm curious to see what happens next. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you to Circuit23 for the awesome theme song that he created for us. You can find a link to his album, um, Mens Vermis, in our show notes, as well as another link to his SoundCloud, which has more of his music, and you can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. Please uh, feel free to email us whatever thoughts, reactions, questions, or bits you have at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And you can tweet us at Watcher. And we're on Tumblr. Kyle did make a Tumblr. Yeah, I started a Tumblr. I might remember to look at it someday. <laughs> <laughs> I think so far it's mainly been tumbling out our uh, episodes. Is that like the Tumblr equivalent to tweeting them out? Oh, has it been? I, I set that up to do it automatically, but I never actually checked to see if it was working. I think so. It seems, seems to be, as far as I can tell. Nice. Well, tumble it to all your friends. Yes. So uh, if you like our show, please uh, share it with your friends and rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review and we will be immensely grateful. It keeps us going and gives us the encouragement to make more. Indeed. And if you want to find out what happens on the day of Armageddon, come back in two weeks. I do, so I will do that, Kyle, and see (laughs) you then. 
I mean, you know, we're, we're about to record it, so uh, I'll find <laughs> out right now. But uh -huh. you can find out with me in two weeks, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Is there anything you would like to say to the citizens before you depart? Yes. It is my earnest hope that the solar system may continue along this path of peace. This path that was laid by the signing of the Non-Aggression Pact of 3975. Now in this year of 4000, we can feel justly proud of that pact. May the past 25 years prove that they are the dawn of an everlasting peace which will spread throughout the universe. Let us go forward together, secure in the knowledge that the life ahead is built upon the cornerstone of richer understanding, not only of the past or of the present, but also of the future. And may it be this cornerstone, so firmly laid, be built upon in brotherhood and bring peace, progress and prosperity to each and every one of us.